Welcome to another edition of the Green Beach Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beard. And again, with us today is Justin Marvel of This Just In. Justin, welcome back. Glad to have you with us, sir. Always good to come back, especially when my Packers been in the same week that I'm on this show. Ken <laughs> tricked me in week one. <laughs> and it makes me, but no, no, no. I'm only, I'm only agreeing to come on this, this show when I know that the Packers have won. But we go before we go any further. Unfortunately, AJ was not part of it. But I want to thank Ken. He was indeed. I was telling him before. He mm-hmm. was a part of our most successful or most watched episode. Like it doubled our previous height. So again, nice. Ken, really, really want to thank you so very much for coming on. Of course, it was my pleasure. Sorry, I couldn't be. Sorry, I couldn't have been a part of that. But glad, glad that it worked out that well, though. Congratulations! No, well, it just tells me that you might have blighted it, so it's okay. It's <laughs> you know what? That could, that could very well be the case. You know what? That could very well be the case. It is true. Well, thank you for that. It was my pleasure to be on, and of course, anytime you want me, I will always try to make myself available for that. And AJ, my brother, how are you doing? I'm alright, sir. I'm good. You know how it is over here. The weather is a bit um, bipolar, not no no pun intended. So one day addressing for winter, one day addressing for summer. Yep, Joel, that is you over there in Texas. Well, we are having a nice warm weather week this week in Colorado. <laughs> Sun is Justin, Justin, I know you had some snow recently. <laughs> but not recently. Like up to today, it was snowing. So I don't know. Like I think you can see him in late in, in a sweatshirt. That's every day. So. There's no bipolar here. It is every day is cool. <laughs> yeah, I usually tell people oh, that that we here in Colorado we exist in a Game of Thrones environment. It's either winter is coming or winter is here. However, <laughs> when you Justin, for where you are, you are in the north. You are up there with the Starks because up there is forever cold if the sun is not shining. Even when it is shining, it is either cold or colder. There's no. all right well you know of course as we are recording this we always try to remind you guys we are recording this on tuesday and today tuesday the 30th of november is this very special day for all of us here on the panel because all of us were born in the beautiful island of barbados which is celebrating its 55th year of independence and this year is extra special because they have also declared themselves a republic so we are extremely happy and extremely proud of what has occurred in our homeland this week today especially and then of course this is the week that comes right after thanksgiving we didn't have a show last week thanks to thanksgiving and of course in the u.s thanksgiving has its traditions um the traditions of thanksgiving they include turkey on the table family get-togethers and of course there is football now football always includes the detroit lions and the dallas cowboys at what point are we going to stop that though like at what point are we going to start giving detroit lanes detroit lanes games or primetime television known as Thanksgiving Day. At what point is it going to stop? It's probably never going to stop. And this is why. Now, the the whole concept or the thing about um, the Lions 
playing on Thanksgiving started in 1934 when their owner at the time, George A. Richards, decided to play on the holiday to attract some more fans. Now, Richards was known for his marketing acumen and his Thanksgiving plan was an immediate hit. The Lions at the time weren't attracting much of a crowd because the Detroit Tigers were the city's main sports attraction. But on that Thanksgiving, the Lions not only sold out the stadium, but they also had to turn people away at the gates. Now, other teams had played on Thanksgiving before 1934, but the Lions were different because Richards owned a radio station that was a major affiliate of the NBC Blue Network. He negotiated an agreement with NBC <laughs> to broadcast his Thanksgiving games on 94 stations across the country. Now, since well, 1978, the Lions and Cowboys have hosted the game on Thanksgiving every year. Detroit always plays the early game. Dallas plays the late game. And then, of course, they added a rotating primetime matchup in 2006. Now, of course, even though it was their idea to play on Thanksgiving, it is still the Lions. And the Lions are 37, 42, and 2 on their um, <laughs> Thanksgiving games. So, yeah, so I figured that, you know, it'd be a good spot to start this week with a little history. Because, like you, Justin, lots of people are wondering, when are they going to stop showing the lands? But apparently because the lands have this history going for them, we are going to have them ad infinitum. That is interesting. You I, learn something new every day. That. Yeah, I really didn't. Yeah, so that's why we always get the lands. And I think that that's probably as much as we're going to talk about the lands on this week's episode. So now we're on to the blitz, <laughs> fellas. Week 12 is in the books. And of course, you know, we had some close games. We had some blow games. Well, of course, we always pick, first off, who was our biggest winner for the week. So, Justin, you give you first crack. Who is the biggest winner for week 12? I think this was my hardest question when you sent out the topics. But um, in going with what we talked on my show, I think I'm going to choose the 49ers simply because, no, that is what their third straight win puts them right back in the playoff hunt. Um, if memory serves me correct, I think they're sixth seed right now. And what is so important about, important, sorry, about the victory is that Kyle Shanahan, in his infinite wisdom, has now finally realized he needed to go back to what made the San Francisco 49ers what they are, which is that zone running scheme that's just running the football. I found it interesting that their last loss, which came, I think, against the Arizona Cardinals, they had this ridiculous run-pass ratio of, like, 11 runs to 45 passes. It's crazy. That's not San Francisco football. And each of the three games since, I think they basically switched to the round, like, doubled up. So I want to say, like, basically, I think it was, what, 42 runs to like 24 passes against the Vikings. So with that victory and the Vikings were up and coming, I will say, yeah, for me, it's the 49ers as they know how to be succeed in the NFC. Nice. That's, that is a quality pick. What about you, AJ? Who was your biggest winner this week? So, gents, I'm going to go a bit, um, a bit off, uh, off uh, not, not off the hinge or anything like that, but just a little different to how I usually analyze these picks. Um, so my pick is, can your hometown team, the Denver Broncos, 
and and my, this week my biggest winner and biggest loser are actually very much related and i'll tell you we'll, so we'll get to that and we'll see all right mm-hmm. but um, we both we all not both but you both in addition to myself we all know the story of the broncos this season they went three and zero in the first three weeks albeit against some lesser opposition but they started the season um, in that manner and then they lost three in a row right mm-hmm. did you know um, and the, sorry, the last loss of the of that four game slide was to Cleveland, and that you know, did you know that that was the last time that Von Miller played for the Denver Broncos? No, I did not know that. He I did, did right, and, right, and in the four games that Denver has played since um, Von Miller left, because he he didn't play the last game before he was officially a Ram, he would have still been on the Broncos team. In the four games that they played since, they are three and one. And, and, and in addition to that, they put up solid defensive performances. Um, they beat the football team, the Cowboys, and the Chargers, right? So, so are you trying to say that the Rams' struggles ha- are, are, are because of Von Miller and the team? Is that what you're trying to suggest here, AJ? <laughs> Justin, we, we, we will absolutely get to that. Trust okay. me, we, we will get to that. We will get to that. <laughs> so I'm just saying, so since, since Von Miller has no longer been a part of the team, um, the, the Denver Broncos are looking very good, and their defense is actually looking a lot more solid. Um, I had this start. I don't know why I didn't end up getting this in front of me, but just defensively, what they let me not state about defensively what they have been able to do since he left, they look a lot more uh, assured in defense and <laughs> just a lot more put together, well buttoned up. Um, no, they did have a loss to the Eagles, but the fact remains that. All in all, the team just looks better since Von Miller left. I'm not saying that this is down to Von Miller leaving, but you know, I'm, I'm seeing you, AJ. You are. I, I see where you're going here. You are basically <laughs> saying that the Denver Broncos are better off without Von Miller, and the Rams are worse. I, I, I we, I, I'm just. Uh, we, can, we, we can get to that. We can get to that. We can get to that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's give him an opportunity to build his case. So, um, my biggest winner for this week was actually the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Bengals have probably one of, if not the big, I don't remember all of the scores off the top of my head right now, but they probably had the biggest, if not the biggest one, of the biggest point differentials in victory this week. 41 to 10 over the former big brothers of the division, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have mm-hmm. swept the season series, no, with Pittsburgh, allowing not, an, I mean, you can say it is an average, but it is literally 10 points per game. They've beaten them 24 to 10 and 41 to 10. No, their only loss so far in their division was against the Browns in week 10. And that was mm. a really big letdown game for them. But in this game, Joe Mixon was a star. 28 rushes, 165 yards, two touchdowns. When you put all of that together, the Cincinnati Bengals are for real, and they cannot be counted out in that that, um, AFC North going forward. So, AJ, no, I know you made mention of it, so I'm giving you first crack at this one. So, the biggest loser... Because I somehow think this is going to tie right back into your biggest winner. So it, it is because it's the Los Angeles Rams. It's <laughs> the Rams. <laughs> I saw it I'm, I'm glad you all saw it. I wasn't. I was trying to be very transparent, right? This, this, 
this plot wasn't well written. It was it was very predictable, right? Now, <laughs> since since the two major acquisitions, the OBJ and and um, Von Miller, we know that th there's been like a little um, a little learning curve for both, right? Last week, actually, OBJ did look a lot better in the offense. Um, but you know what did look good? <laughs> the defense. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, I don't want to say that these things are correlated, but I'm just going to bring to you some facts. Because sometimes I do believe a little bit in coincidences, right? We know Von Miller was supposed to shore up the defense and it was supposed to be this big, uh, um, big marquee move. Did y'all realize, though, that since he joined in the two games that they played, Rams defense has given up over 30 points in both of those games, right? Mm -hmm. You know that in the previous, and in, in their previous, how many was it games did they play before? Was their record? No, seven or four. So in the previous nine games, they gave up more than, that defense gave up more than 30 points once to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I, I, again, again, I'm just saying this is two 30 point, uh, uh, two opponent 30 point games back-to-back -back compared to one in nine. Von Miller himself, right, is on such a bad streak. He has not been on a winning... He has not won a game in 2021 since week three of this season. Yeah. Every game he's played since then lost because he was on the losing streak with the Broncos. Now he's on a losing streak with the LA Rams. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying... I'm just saying. I'm just bringing all the facts. Take from that what you will. But I think the Rams are the biggest losers in addition to all of this. Yeah, they, they made those signings and the team just doesn't, they, they don't look like they're going anywhere at this point. Even offensively, they've sort of stagnated. Even with OBJ uh, um, becoming uh, more ingratiated into the team, they still look like they're going to be, uh, at best, the, uh, the wild card spot. Um, well, yeah, because they ain't winning the, the NFC. So it, I, it, I just don't like how they're looking and the defense looks worse since Von Miller joined. Okay. <laughs> okay, sir. All right, Justin, what about you? Who is your biggest loser this week? I just want to add on to AJ's point here about these ramps. And it was a major topic of discussion of our last show. Sorry for the shameless plug here. Not of really course. <laughs> <laughs> the reality, the situation, as I said, this team is soft. And soft on both lanes. Both the offensive and defensive lane. They've gone away from running football because Sean McVay wants to show off his brand new toy in Matt Stafford. So you're seeing these three wide receiver sets, which is not the staple of that zone running scheme offense, which Mike Shanahan has made or made uh, famous for those title winning days in Denver. And as you just mentioned, AJ, you have a situation with a defensive line, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd, and also Aaron Donald. And not once in that game against us, the Packers, were those names called. Not once. They yeah. had zero mm -hmm. impact in that game. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to both lines of scrimmage and they're soft. I'll just leave no, it at that. No, no argument there. <laughs> and I'm not shocked the defense is soft because if you're not accustomed to playing your offense in practice, running the football, then you're going to be, you're not going to be accustomed stopping the run when it comes to actual games. Mm -hmm. But I've already heaped enough. You know, over two shows now on the Los Angeles round. <laughs> I wanted to say the biggest losers were the Vikings, especially as they lost Dalvin Cook for considerable amount of time. And to me, that's their second or might be their best player overall. That's at least 
the engine that makes them run. And because we lost, I think they're maybe out of playoff seeding right now. But I think really the biggest loser has to be Cleveland Browns. And because this is a team starting the season with Super Bowl aspirations, not winning the AFC North, not getting the top seed in the AFC. This is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. No, they're barely 500. I think probably last in their division or are the very worst or the very best third. You forced... Yeah, they are last known, yeah. You forced four turnovers in a division game. Four turnovers and still could not win. And on top of that, no. The number one overall pick you wasted like three years ago on this, your supposed franchise quarterback. What are you going to do now? Because you have to know this is not your guy going forward. I think you've seen enough. Granted, you'll say that he's injured, he's banged up. He has a torn left shoulder, hip injury, ankle, whatever. But it, it's clear that this is not the guy going forward. So what are you going to do? Are you going to give him a contract extension? Are you going to underpay? Like, what are you going to do there? So there are more questions than there are answers. Yeah, for me, it's a Cleveland Rose. Well, I do have something with regards to the Browns, but I'll come a little later on the show. My biggest loser this week was the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts lost 31-38 at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this was as close to a gotta-have-it game. I mean, every game for them going forward is a gotta-have-it game. But this one was one that they really had to have and they were in a position to win it. When the Titans were out there getting manhandled by the Patriots, and I'm surprised that AJ didn't you know, give props to his guys for their big win this week. Because I expected it. <laughs> okay, no problem, sir. But this gave the, the course an opportunity to get closer in the division and as well to you know get some momentum in the World Card race. They had the lead at the half and completely abandoned the run in the third quarter. They had one run in the entire third quarter. And by the end of the third quarter, I think they were up by 10 and then they were down by four at the end of the third. Mm -hmm. They had Tampa Bay right there for the taking. But Frank Wright decided that he, you know, you, Justin, you have made mention of Sean McVay and how he wanted to show off his brand new toy. Instead of putting the ball in the hand of his best player, Jonathan Taylor, he decides he's going to stay super aggressive and scuppered any chance of winning. So when you put all of that together, there is, I couldn't see anybody as a bigger loser this week than Indianapolis Colts. You had an opportunity to knock off the defending champs and you, you completely wet the bed in that third quarter. That was frustrating. All right, so now the moral victory. Now, I know we, we're getting kind of late in the season, and when we were saying that people were finding more, you know, they had room for uh, motivation with some losses early on. I think the motivation is kind of winning because at this point you need to win some <laughs> games. So, Justin, who's, who gets your moral victory this week? You're going to be shocked and you're going to look angry at me. But oddly enough, it's the same quotes you just mentioned. Now, let me preface that by saying 
I do not believe in moral victories in professional sports. I do not believe in them. I don't think there's anything as a moral victory. And especially in this case, because you're right, Ken, this is a team that was up by 10 points, I think, early in the third quarter and had no right losing a game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For me, because I had a scramble to find an answer to this question. For we, wait, I guess you could say it's a moral victory because this team has not beaten any elite teams for the entire season whatsoever. And I think maybe they feel no having led by 10 and, as you said, squandered that with three turnovers because they went away from the run. Granted, they could understand why, because if there's a team that is very hard to run against, it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without front seven. You talk about Vita Vea um, and Dominican Sue, JPP, and then the two linebackers behind them, Devin White and Levante David. There is no team more adept at stopping the run than they are. And they watched the game, and you can see they were clearly setting up to start the run. They're like, if somebody's going to beat us, it has to be Carson Wentz. And I think we all know how that turned out. Yeah, that's a game that I don't think they had any right losing. And if there's any consolation, I guess they have proven to themselves that they can play with elite teams. They definitely have an MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor. And if it's just get it together, this is a team I don't think anyone wants to see the playoffs because they're even as much as they gave up 38 points to the champs, a lot of that is because of turnovers. This is still a very good defense. This is a very, very strong offensive line, a very good running team. I don't think that anyone wants to see them if they find a way to get in playoffs because if there are two things that travel, it's a running game and it's defense. It is true. So, AJ, what about you? Who gets your moral victory this week? With, with that start that Justin just had, it's hard to come in and talk about moral victories. Um, <laughs> but Because, you know, according to the new um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, Jay-Z, moral victories are for minor league coaches. Um, but but, <laughs> but I will say that if there's anything I believe um, is akin to a moral victory, it is taking down a division rival who has been on an absolute tear. Which is why it may surprise you that my pick for this week is the New York Giants. No, the, the reason why uh, they, are the, they are my moral victory pick and not the least inspiring pick is because that Eagles team in the last two games put up 70 points, 40 points, 40 and then 30 in, in their, in their two-game um, two win streak, right? No, it wasn't a dominant or extremely convincing win by the Giants, but they held the, the, the Eagles to seven points. And, and the fact that just the week before, uh, all the conversations about the Giants were um, about the coaches, you know, should these guys really be in charge? What are the Giants really every year? They're this also ran team who, who are not terrible enough to get like a, a, a top draft pick or to be like in the top order of the draft, but they're still, they're not um, good enough to ever make the playoffs, you know, just always in limbo and equilibrium. With all of those things happening, to, to, to get a victory like that uh, and... Uh, like I said, against a division rival. And, and let me add as well, on, in the recent run of form that the Eagles were having, Jalen Hurts, this, uh, even despite all my criticisms, I will admit, he ended up, uh, up, up until that game, he had the highest QBR of, of, of all quarterbacks in the league in, in that month leading up to that game, right? So um, 
just what they were able to do, like I said, taking on a division rival, it means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. The Giants, are, they're not going to be any better. That does not affect their season. But if they can take anything from it, it's just knowing that they were able to stop the, the Eagles. So to me, that is that, that, that equals a moral victory. Okay. I did not expect that the Giants would have made an appearance on this show because we've not oh, had the Giants. Just, just hold on, okay? Just wait up. Just okay. <laughs> All right, cool. No problem. Well, I'll just move on to my moral victory. Um, that was actually the Las Vegas Raiders. I had the Las Vegas Raiders as my moral victory for this week with their win over the Cowboys, 36-33 at Jerry's World. No, we know that the Raiders, they played an almost, almost complete game against the Cowboys, where Carr was 24 of 39 for 373 yards and a touchdown. And the team Raiders ran for 143 yards and two touchdowns. And their defense kept the vaunted running game of the Cowboys to 64 yards. No, the Raiders are 6-5 and five in a season full of controversy and full of distractions, probably more than any other team has had to deal with, probably in NFL history. But they're six and five, and they're still in the hunt for a wild card spot. They probably will not see the Cowboys again because this is an AFC team, and the Cowboys we know are not going to make it to the Super Bowl. But this is still a good enough showing against an elite offense by that defense and a good showing by their offense. So they should take some measure of comfort going You're forward. You're talking about wild card, right? I want yeah. you to know they're only a game behind. Kansas City for the division leader. Just one game. And I'm not here to tell you they're going to win the AFC West. But anything <clears throat> can happen. It is true. That that division right now is very, very up in the air. But I'm sure that we'll have a chance to touch on that a little bit later on in the show. So, Justin, least inspiring win. You, you said that, you know, you had to give it a chance. So, I'm giving you first chance. Um, who gets your least inspiring win this week? Who would have thought the Giants would come up twice in one part of that? That is the least inspiring victory, not of the week, for the season. And I'll explain, like, they also had no right winning that contest because if Jalen Rager would just do what he was drafted to do, which is catch the people football, (laughs) we would not be having this conversation, especially on the last second play where... I don't know if a ball goes through his hands. It's, I don't even... You are a first-round draft pick. Forget that. You are a starting receiver in the NFL. Your defender is on your back. That is as easy as a catch down the field as you're going to ever want. And it was just drop after drop after drop from Jalen Rager. And why I hate this victory for the New York Giants, especially, right? You have probably just saved Joe Judge's job, which he does not deserve having it saved. You have probably convinced management that Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback in his league, which he's not. That is the worst case scenario for you if you are the Giants, because you're not going to catch the Cowboys for the division lead, and only one team out of that putrid NFC East is going to make the playoffs. Like You have to understand, you have to realize everything in New York has to go now. Like everything. You gotta give up on Saquon. You gotta give up on Daniel Jones. You gotta give up on George Judge. You have the it's just sell everything. And that victory is only buying more time for Daniel Jones and George Judge. 
Well, just two interesting thoughts that came to mind um, based on what you were saying just now. Jalen Rigger, somebody listed him for sale on eBay for five dollars. That was that was number one. And it's too much. <laughs> a buck fifty for, for Jalen Rigger, buck fifty. Right, and then number two is that um, Gettleman, the GM, his contract is up this year. Oh, he's, every... not he's not going to be back. Huh? Like, if you feel that you need to get rid of George Judge and Daniel Jones, he's the first one up the door. Correct. And if he is gone, then those other two. Well, we made mention of this agent that we were talking about this during the game when um, on Sunday, and they had made the mention of that Daniel Jones is not the answer. However, he is still on his rookie deal and his contract is still quite friendly. So chances are he might survive, not necessarily as the starting quarterback, mm -hmm. but he might still just be around in New York going forward. So AJ, what about you? Who is your least inspiring win this week? I'm coming right back to my division, the Miami Dolphins. You, you think that beating a, a, a Panthers team who have shown that they've given up on a 2021 season means anything? Putting up 33 points to a tag of Aloha had one touchdown. One. One. In over 30 points, he had one touchdown. 27 of 31, 230 yards. Did, did anyone in that game really look convincing to you? Did anyone in my, on Miami's... I mean... In, in, on, on their offense, let me say. And, and I wouldn't, I, 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 I'll be very honest with you guys. I didn't watch this game. I just watched highlights, but nothing looked convincing to me. And, and having a, I guess what we would call a blowout win, like I said, over a Panthers team who I, this, they seem to still be trying to figure something out for 2022. I think that's the least, um, least inspiring win for me of the season because the Dolphins are no better. They're still not going to make the postseason, but this is just good numbers to, to fluff up the stats. Okay, fair enough. Now, the, what, the team I had picked for my least inspiring win for this week, and they don't have to get too heavy into it um, because this was touched on earlier, but it is the Baltimore Ravens. How do you go and... Lamar Jackson throw four interceptions against the Cleveland Browns. You, you win the game. But coming out of that, you have to feel very concerned about what's happening with your offense. And I think that that is enough said for that game. You don't have to tell me because he's my starting quarterback on my fantasy team. So Yeah, I have him in one league too. That was... Uh... Yeah, so do I. So we He's all trying have to make chicken somewhere. salad out of chicken, you know what? It is true. <laughs> I, he gave me 9.28 points this week, but at least I did not need him to be super Lamar to win that matchup. But, of course, you know, we were talking a bit just now. You can't mention this game this week with the Ravens before talking about the Browns. And speaking of the Browns, Kareem Hunt's dad is taking shots at Baker Mayfield. Now, you will remember that we had a situation with Odell Beckham Jr.'s father. He was also making some comments with regards to Baker Mayfield. Now, Kareem Hunt Sr., he said on um, Twitter, no, I'm getting people on my Facebook saying I'm being like OBJ daddy, and I'm not. I'm stating facts on football. And what we see, he's limping, 
He's scared to throw the ball and they know he's hurt. They're going to keep listening. But if people don't like what I'm saying, unfriend me. I'm not jeopardizing nothing. I got a right to speak. I ain't posting no videos. Have a good day. Go Browns. Hopefully. Then he came back a little, a little later on and he said, last thing, I don't want nobody to be hating me, hating at me. Like I said, new quarterback, new situation. We could have won this game long time ago. I don't know what the defense was doing. They did good three interceptions or more. All I can say is please don't hate me. I told you so. Now, of course, these posts are no longer um, anywhere to be found because they have been since deleted from the social networks but of course if you are a prominent person or you are a prominent person's father someone's always watching and screenshotting because these things do make for good content so AJ I'll let you weigh in first on what I mean this is what he said literally so are, what do you have to say are, about there, are there any other bone spirits who are named after their dad because if that, <laughs> that seems to be the trend. <laughs> that seems to be the trend here. So anybody who's a junior, look out. Your dad might be next. All right? First of all. Secondly, I, you see, I, I do think that this case is different to OB, the OBJ senior junior, junior tandem, right? Because in this case, with him just like, um, you said, this was a, it was a tweet, right? Mm -hmm. With him just tweeting this out, it could very much be a possibility that Junior, Kareem Hunt Jr. did not know about this, right? It's not as if a, a video was, was, was put together, like taking time to, to be constructed and then posted. And, you know, it's not like a video uploads in two seconds. You have to sit down there, there and wait for this thing to get uploaded to whatever platform, right? This man, he could have, Kareem Hunt's father could have really just tweeted this of his own volition um, in, in, in just a moment of complete madness not taking into consideration what had just previously happened, or it could honestly be an orchestrated plot because Kareem Hunt feels that, all right, well, his penance is over for what he did, and he wants to get out of the Cleveland Browns and get into a, a, a better team. I, I had not made up my mind as to which I believe as yet, but I, I, I think that one of those possibilities exists on Earth, and then the other exists in some parallel universe. <laughs> Understood. Justin, what do you have to say about what he said? That Odell Beckham Jr. and Kareem Hunt are lazy. <laughs> they, all you did, right? they all you did was change one letter and put an S and say, oh, no, that's not me. That's not me. That's, that's me. Oh, come <laughs> on. Like, like, really? Let me first tell you, right? Like, that's like me saying, oh, well, that's not me. It's Jason Marvel that said that. It's, it's not me. Like, oh, like, like. <laughs> the first thing, right, these family members know what's at stake. And if, even if that's for argument's sake, say that neither son actually did this, as much as I do believe in Odell Beckham Jr. being more so than in this case with Kareem Hunt, you're trying to tell me that these guys that make millions with NFL contracts don't talk to their families and tell them these are the things you should not do. Kareem Hunt Sr. knew exactly what he was doing, whether he was instructed by Junior or whether he had a blessing of Junior. They know exactly what he's doing. So there is no universe dimension, as AJ is mentioning, <laughs> that Kareem Hunt did not know what was going on. 
So let me just put that out there quickly. I wasn't absolving Junior necessarily of blame completely, you know. I I agree with with the fact that you know he had to have been talking to his dad for his dad to do something like this. But I'll let you continue. Sorry, I'm right. just saying because all of a sudden now these dads know about football and they can message and they know what's going on. But the reality is both dads are right because if you watch the 15 minute film and it's really hard to watch from Odell Beckham Senior, gosh. It is. Those best passes are terrible. Like Odell Beckham Jr. is so open. I, I don't know. But then where I think Kareem Hunt Sr., his point is, and there's no denying this, you are trotting out an extremely injured quarterback who is costing you victories. Whether or not he feels that Baker Mayfield, a healthy Baker Mayfield, is good or not, I don't know, or we don't know. I guess he's trying to say, Stop playing this guy who is banged up and put Case Keenum because you played Case Keenum and he has not cost you victory yet. So why not put Case Keenum? And and I have to agree with him because for two things. One, Case Keenum in a backup role or coming in to start, he's won you again. And on top of that, he is so familiar with uh, Kevin Stefanski's offense from the days of Minnesota. So sorry for that. Kenny, no, that's a hard pill for you to swallow and hear about. But Case Keenum does know <laughs> that Minnesota offense or Kevin Stefanski's offense from a time in, in, in Minnesota. And I have to believe right now that Case Keenum is better than an injured Baker Mayfield. And I mean, I already went on my rant about Baker Mayfield already. Like this guy, you're not going forward with a team with Super Bowl aspirations and a Super Bowl roster right now. You can't, that can't be your starting quarterback. But if anything I've gotten from Kareem Hunt Sr., You've got to play Case Keenum because Baker Mayfield is costing you games, whether it has to do with his injuries or not. So I actually don't have anything to add to what you two had to say because I have been very critical in the past of Baker Mayfield. And that his fathers are now coming out and taking shots at him. These fathers. Yeah, of course. (laughs) If, If it is the fathers indeed, then that is interesting. If it is the sons using the fathers to get at their supposed franchise quarterback, that is also interesting. I just don't feel, I don't have the energy right now to go in again on Baker Mayfield. I just don't. I mean, let's, let, let's tell me and I'll go for you, okay? Let's, let's, if you really want me to be that guy right now, right? I can be that guy. I think we can save some of that fire for a little later on because Baker is probably going to do something other than another progressive ad and is going to cause us then to have to talk about him at that point. So we can we can leave that's what he said there for this week. And now is on to who do you trust? Now, for those who would have been looking into what we you know what we have on our Twitter, not Twitter, our Instagram feed, this week's episode. I had referred to it as the big crystal ball because I want us to look into our crystal balls and take a look a few years into the future. First off, um, now the first topic or point was with regards to running backs. Now, of course, you you would have heard by now that Christian McCaffrey is injured again and he is back on IR for the second time this season, which means that no, he is done so for the year now 
cast your mind back with me. Five years ago, 2016, you thought five running backs in the league were Ezekiel Elliott, Jordan Howard, DeMarco Murray, Jay Ajayi, and Le'Veon Bell. Since then, we've had other prominent rushers come through like Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry. Now, as I may mention, CMC, he is on IR. Derek Henry, he's also on IR. Zeke has been overtaken in his own backfield by Tony Pollard. Howard is a backup. DeMarco Murray is retired since 2018. And Le'Veon Bell right now is a free agent. Now, we look at the current crop of running backs and look into your crystal ball, gentlemen. Who do you trust of our current crop of runners to be likely to fall the way of the former elite running backs? And Justin, I'll give you first crack. So you're asking me which of these running backs I expect to no longer be prominent in five years? Three to five years, because... Five years is a long time, and chances are all of them could be gone. But let's say three to five say, years. I was about to say all of them. Like, <laughs> in reality, the situation, that is why teams are so hesitant to pay running backs. For mm-hmm. let's draft them. I am a, not against drafting running backs in the first round, and I'll explain why. I've always felt, outside of offensive linemen, the number one group that produces immediate I want to say pro bowlers out of the first round are running backs. Because of any position group, they are the ones ready to hit the ground running. Like we've seen that. You mentioned Ezekiel Elliott, Derek um, Der Henry. Well, maybe not Derek Henry, but Christian McCaffrey. When you look through all these top running backs, all of them come immediately hitting the ground running because that is the position group that is most prepared to play at the next level. Mm-hmm. In three to five years, I do not expect Christian McCaffrey to be in the league. Don't expect Derrick Henry to be good, especially Derrick Henry, because I was wondering, as much as a man, he is huge and he's the one doling out punishment. I always wondered how much longer could he put that weight on his frame? And we found out, well, not much longer, partly because the injury he's sustained is to his foot. And that comes as no surprise to me. So within the next five years, I don't expect either, I don't expect Derrick Henry to be what he is. And I would not be surprised if he's not in the league. To go even further, my guy Aaron Jones. For the last three straight seasons, he has had an MCL stream. And he is not even a, what you would call a workhorse back. We have always had another back spitting carries with him. And as you've seen, we've had AJ Dillon doing the tough sledging. And he is like a, I don't want to say a scat back, but you could split him away like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, and he can serve as a wide receiver. And even he, he is breaking down with injuries. After we gave him this payday, which I wanted to, he's not even been the same guy this season. Excuse me, so sorry. Yeah, so sorry. He's not been the same guy this season as much, like, even if you take away the injury early in the season, not, not the same dude. He's not on track to crack a thousand yards this season and we've just given a huge payday. I don't know, right, if there is a big name running back right now that three to five years we can say will be that same guy. Maybe I'll say Jonathan Taylor but outside of that I can't name one. Maybe jo- No, Jonathan Taylor and that's it. Every single major name we see right now 
in three to five years, they're going to be done. What about you, AJ? Do you agree with that? Um, so when I first saw this question, right, my initial thought was that, yeah, I'm not going to speak on the five-year part. I feel that's way too long. And <laughs> I, I agree with Justin in some regard that in five years is too, is too far a, a, a scope of time to predict this a running back situation, right? It is here today, gone tomorrow. And in your um, opening, you also forgot to mention my guy, David Johnson. <laughs> a few years ago, yeah, he was, I know he's a Texan. That's a, oh, how the mighty have fallen, right? Yep. Um, but I will say in three years, I, 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 I agree with Justin with Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is, is, on the, is one of um, the names on the up. Um, so in, in the names that I prepared, so in, I'll, I'll say in the next three years, Jonathan Taylor was one of the names I had. I actually think that Najee Harris is still going to be relevant at that point, but he's not a big name. And the third name I have, and, and I, I, this may come as a surprise, but is Austin Eckler. I honestly feel that, that Eckler will still be there in a boat. He's, he, he's a really tough dude. And, and what surprises me about that is that he, he does not, he's not a, a huge frame, as, as um, Justin mentioned with Derrick Henry per se. He's, he's, he's more stout, but very much built. And he could, take, he could take the licks on the inside. He can take the hits. Um, it could just be an admiration for the guy. Uh, in addition to that, I, some of the younger guys, I, I, I did have Justin, your guy, um, AJ Dillon. I, I think he could still be relevant at that point. Javonte Williams, a rookie out of Ken, your place in Denver. I, I, I think he's, he's taking a claim to be a lead back um, at, at that team at some point. I think Melvin Gordon's days. He's another one. His days are essentially done, I really believe. And the rookie that we actually drafted in um, Ramondre Stevenson, if he if he stays if he stays <laughs> in in uh, as a New England Patriot, I think Bill will will make sure that. I, but I, I keep getting flashbacks of like Brandon Bolden when I see him play, and and you know how Bolden has like even when Bolden left for a year and whatnot, he finds his way back to New to New England. And, even if he's not the biggest name, he, he always has a role, as, as you can see this season. And I feel like Ramondre Stevenson might be the one to be taken over for him. And I'll give a special mention to... No, you know what? I, I'll, I'll put him on the other side, James Robinson. I think three years, he's done. Okay. So before... Sorry, Ken. I just mm -hmm. want to finish up because I didn't make the point totally. I have not a problem with drafting running backs in the first round. My problem comes with paying them after that initial rookie contract, and that's the problem. So, yeah, drafting the first round, if you think that that running back could put you over the top. So he had no problem with Pittsburgh drafting Najee Harris. My issue comes in paying running backs after that rookie contract. Like, if they give you two, three Pro Bowl years in that four-year span, great. But don't pay them after. Don't make that mistake. Like, if it's Ezekiel Elliott, and I think we're now starting to see that with Aaron, Aaron Jones and Green Bay, just don't pay them that second contract. See, oh, so this, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry Ken, before you did get into it, because I realized I did leave out the other side of my point, which is the ones who I expect to be out. Oh, and yeah, and heading, heading, head, the, the, the double headed monster at the top of that list, Saquon and Run CMC. I, I was a, a McCaffrey fan from his rookie year. I actually drafted him in fantasy in, in, in about two leagues in that rookie year. Been a huge fan. I don't see how this guy has a future in the NFL, uh, even a, even a, a short-term one. Um, Saquon, too, I, 
I, I don't see it. You mentioned Chris Carson. I think he's also on the way out. I, I just felt like throwing in this name because a few years, a few years ago, he was actually a premier name in Arizona, and that's Kenyon Drake. I don't know what the situation is with him. And one, one name that I was debating a bit, this will be the last name, was DeAndre Swift. But I think I, I'm going to give DeAndre Swift the benefit of the doubt because I think he could turn out the same way Fournette did in a sense. Just leave a team that absolutely sucks where you were not getting the best, where you, not be, where you were not being optimized, and he still probably could have some success in a better team. So I'll, 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 I'll look out for him. I wouldn't put him on, on either of these yet. He's, he's just stuck there in the middle. DeAndre Swift, that is. And sorry, Ken, you can go ahead now. Well, it's interesting that you said DeAndre Swift because he was the first name I was going to call as somebody I believe is going to be out within the next three years. And the reason for that is that DeAndre Swift, for the length of time he has been in the league, he has been hurt every year. And Justin, you have made mention of this before we had started, um, how especially in fantasy, you try to stay away from running backs who have an injury history. But DeAndre Swift is one that his injury history is one that definitely does give you pause. No, it was interesting to hear there was a name that one of you called just now and i was oh aj you made mention just now austin eckler austin eckler for me is right up there next to dalvin cook he is one that gets hurt often often and because he gets hurt so often he is not one that gives me much cause for optimism for his longevity it's not to say that he can't play I just don't think that he's going to be able to sustain it for an, ex for an extremely long period of time. Now, one person who I could understand, I was waiting to hear one of you call his name, but neither of you did, so that I could try to defend him a bit. And that's my guy, Alvin Kamara. Because not entirely up for you. Entirely up to you. I have no, 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 no desire to call that name. Go ahead. I believe, <laughs> I believe that Kamara has the opportunity. He has the ability because of the way he plays, especially when he has a bruiser in the, run, in the running back room with him mm -hmm. to do the heavy lifting through the tackles where then he can play more of a scat back type of role. He has the kind of game that can last, especially when you look at the, the balance that he exhibits. And he doesn't necessarily take the hardest of hits compared to like a Derrick Henry or another one, these runners who runs through the tackles. I believe that he has an opportunity to, to survive, provided that the Saints then gives him somebody that is going to be the between the tackles and the guards kind of runner where then he can work more on the outside. So he is one that I believe has an opportunity to survive. But all the names that you guys called before, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, all of those guys, I don't see how they are going to be hit in the league in three years, let alone five years. And I view, sorry to say this, Alvin Kamara the same way as Aaron Jones. I thought so too. And this season has proven that like, Aaron Jones' drop-off has been, I don't want to say huge, but no one in Green Bay is really talking about it because he's got that big contract. And I suspect the same thing with Alvin Kamara. No, you did something there, Ken, that shocked me because I don't know how I forgot Dalvin Cook. He's the mm. first name I should have called. Like Every single season, this man is injured like, for some whatever reason. And I guess because he is not 
I'm not want to say he's a small back, but he's a bell cow back for the Minnesota Vikings. And I wonder if his frame is big enough to handle what they're asking him to do because every single season without feel Dalvin Cook misses games. And I do not expect Dalvin Cook to be relevant in three years' time. But I told, I told AJ this before, and he will remember this statement. I told him that Dalvin Cook's hamstrings are old rubber bands. They are susceptible to pop at any time. Now, it's unfortunate now that he's dealing with a separated shoulder. His hamstring has not been the issue. He's had an ankle injury, and now he has a shoulder injury. But he is one that is almost always getting hurt. So he does not, he does not fill my heart with any optimism whatsoever all right so enough of the running backs now we're going to bring it a little bit closer to what's happening now the playoff picture is murky in both the afc and the nfc the cardinals and ravens they currently occupy the number one seats but especially in the afc it has been very volatile with the number one seat changing hands approximately four or five times this season mm -hmm. all right gents so who do you trust to make the playoffs and who occupies the seedings? You want me to start first? Sure. Go ahead, Go ahead. Justin. <laughs> All seven seeds in both conferences? If you have them. All right. Um, I will start with the AFC because that's a fun one. Um, as I said, to start the year, initially I wanted to choose the Browns to start the year. But then when I looked through schedule, I brain kicked in and said Baltimore Ravens will win that division. And I also have them taking the AFC's top seed. So I have the Ravens. Um, that AFC West, everybody's pooping the bag and allowed the Kansas City Chiefs for some water. Oh, I can't believe that they have allowed Kansas City to be at top of the division. Um, so it's going to be the Ravens, the Chiefs, the AFC East winner is going to come down to these two games between Buffalo and AJ's Patriots. I see a situation where they split. I am going to go because I trust coaching more and the rookies not turning over the football. So I'm going to say the Patriots get that third seed. And who wins the South? <laughs> the Titans are going to back into the South just because. So those are by four, four. The Bills with the fifth seed. I know a lot of Bills fans are going to curse me for saying that. Um, I'm missing somebody. Six, 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 six. Oh, how can I forget? My guilty pleasure, the Bengals. And bringing up the rear, I'm going to go to Chargers. So those are my seven from the, the AFC. In the NFC... I have to say Packers is number one seed, right? Just have to, just because. So <laughs> Packers is number one seed, Cardinals two, um, Buccaneers three, Cowboys at the NFC East winner four. Think obviously then the Rams as the loser of the NFC West at five. I'm going to say the San Francisco 49ers six. And this is where it gets dicey depending on when Dalvin Cook comes back or if he ever comes back. If he does come back in time, I'll say Minnesota 7. If not, wow. Oh, Lars, I do not know who I'm putting that seventh seed. <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea. Like, there's nobody worthy 
could not 17. I, I think it should have vacated. I think that the NFC should just go, like, like I think the NFC should just go straight, like, six seeds. Because I can't think of a seven. I'm going to say Minnesota just because. Okay, interesting. We'll come back to, to your difficulty with the seven seed in a second. AJ, who do you have and where do you have them? Can you read through me off of this one, right? Because I, <laughs> I looked at this question and I was going to start to prepare all seven um, positions as well. And I started looking at the Ravens. I was like, okay, the Ravens, they're, they're leading the AFC right now. And then looked at their schedule. Because I, 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 I couldn't find a way to do this without actually looking at each team's remaining schedule to see what I thought would, would, would come to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, and... I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't want to sound like one of those fans. But the way things are looking right now, I honestly feel like the New England Patriots could end up on top of the AFC. I, I honestly believe so, based on that on is not. The, that is know, not a hard thing to believe, AJ. It is not unreasonable at all. I, based on where we are now and our remaining schedule, um, Justin, like you, I, I think that we will split the series with the Bills, and then we have the Dolphins again. I know they usually usually beat us in Miami, but I feel like this year is a redemption year. It just feels kind of different. We'll see. And we have the bye week in the Jaguars. Um, then other than that, there's the, the other games are the Colts. Um, well, yeah, so two against the Bills and then the Colts. Um, and the, that Colts game is in Indianapolis. But I just have faith in us to be able to continue our run. The Ravens have what I deem to be uh, a, arguably arguably, from what I've seen so far, the toughest schedule going forward. Um, they still have some division games. Uh, the Ravens have to play the Steelers next. Then they have the Browns again. Then they have the Packers, the Bengals, the Rams, and then the Steelers to end the season. I, they are too inconsistent a team at this point. Um, even, even without bias. I, I just don't know how they come out of that schedule and, and with them being just narrowly ahead of us, I feel that we could. And, and obviously, that would put us in a very good position. Um, I mean, I can't, I'll have to let you go because I really don't. <laughs> I really didn't. I, after, after that thought entered my mind, I really didn't. I, I, I was so overcome with emotion. At the fact <laughs> I didn't even, guys, I didn't even look at the rest. I was like, yo, we could actually do this. Because I... I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, just wishful thinking though. Um, but what I will say is in the NFC though, I, I do expect Justin's Packers to finish up in that number one spot. Um, yeah, I think, I think some of the, because you guys are like, a, like a game behind Arizona now. A half game. Uh, half, half game. There we go. Half game. Um, I don't think, I, I think the Packers are in line to do that. <sighs> that that's all I have for you so far. I, uh, right now, I'm going to be the homer and say that my Pats can take the top seed in the AFC um, and that I, I expect the Packers to be on top of the NFC. As, uh, with regards to the others, you might have to check me back on that. Okay, no problem. I knew that this question would have been a little bit difficult because when you're looking to try to predict and prognosticate as what's going to happen with teams, we still have another, what, six weeks to go in the regular season, and with six weeks, anything can happen. However, from the purposes of this question, I looked at what every team had done so far and the strength of their schedule to come. So in the AFC, 
I have the Patriots. AJ, believe it or not, I have the Patriots taking the number one seed. The Titans have the easiest strength of schedule from here to the end, so I believe that they're going to win enough games to take the number two seed. Number three seed is going to be the Ravens, and the number four seed will be the Chiefs because the Chiefs have one of the toughest schedules coming up, and while their defenses look good and the offense seems to be clicking, we need to see more to be convinced going forward. Mm-hmm. Number five, I actually forgot them. I had to add them in there just now, is the Bills. I have the Bills being the, the best of the rest. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are going to be the sixth seed, and the Bengals are going to be number seven. The Colts, I had, when I forgot the Bills, I had the Colts at seven. But because I had to slip the Bills in there, now the Colts would then be the best of the rest of the league when they're not going to make the playoffs. For the NFC, Justin, just at you, I don't have a team at number seven because I, I, I can't trust any of them any of them to, to get there, including my Saints. I actually believe my Saints are going to fall outside of the playoffs based on what I have seen over the last three weeks or so. So, to the top, I actually have the Cardinals holding on to the number one spot. The Buccaneers are going to finish second. The Packers are going to be third. And the Cowboys are going to be in the East. The Rams should hold on to that five spot. And the 49ers, based on their improved play, should be the sixth seed. So we got three teams coming out of the NFC West. I just don't know who is going to get that seventh seed because the Vikings, it's hard to trust the Vikings. I would love to say it would be it my Saints. It's amazing that the two of you are in this position. That's uh, <laughs> incredulous to me. I, did, I, I wish I had studied it more to be able to, to be the third, the third wheel here, but I, I like it though. It, it, you don't understand the gap between the elite, the NFC, and the also runs is so huge. Like, mm-hmm. there's no in between. It's either in the NFC you are very good or you are very bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> if we still had Jameis, I would have said that the Saints would have been in there between six and seven because we would not most likely have a better record than the Rams. But no Jameis, no proper play coming from our quarterbacks. There's no way then I can just say that the Saints are going to be the team that's going to finish with double-digit wins. Right now, we're looking at probably finishing the season, season 7 and 10, 8 and 9. I, As I told Justin before we started, at this point, I believe the Saints should just punt on the season and just see what... Bring in Ian Book. Let the rookie play for the rest of the year so we see if we have anything with him. And then we'll see what happens in the next season. To show you, Ken, or sorry, AJ, sorry, mm-hmm. the situation that is, right? I'm going to put it out there since you are, you say you don't know. Would you, who are you going to say? Do you trust the Vikings to get that spot? Do you trust the Atlanta Falcons? Do you trust the Washington football team? Is it the Eagles? Is it the Carolina Panthers? <laughs> you see, a pro- like, that is what we are faced with. Like, what of those five, six teams are you going to, are you, can you safely see? Will make the playoffs, right? I, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you. But you, 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 you know something that I will. I'll admit to you guys that in watching last night's game, I actually was deeper. And this could be coming from a place of solely just having moved from Washington D.C. Right? But I actually have a little bit of faith in this in this Washington football team. 
even even after losing a, a, a defensive stalwart in Chase Young, I, I, they're, they're not magnificent defensively, they, but they have been still looking a, a bit more solid. But offensively is 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 where's the draw for me, right? Look, I, and I said this in in uh, my Prentin picking videos for last week. I actually like Taylor Heineke, and I think Taylor Heineke plays. He 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 quarterbacks his football team in a very smart manner. He he plays very smart. He doesn't try to force the ball down the field and. And what he's doing is helping is helping his team. He's winning games for his team. And the 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 strength of the the um the strength of the, the remaining schedule, I, I, I it looks kind of tough for them based on the position they're in now. But I mean, they have Dallas twice, and Dallas ain't really been looking up to the. But I, I, I like I said, it, it could be the part of me that's still in DC, but I just have faith in these guys. So if you're asking only the best of the rest. If I had to pick a name, I would actually say the Washington football team. And that's not a bad pick. It's just like a lucky dip. No, no, of course it is. Them. Of course. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I just wanted to bring that up because I actually was thinking this as I was watching the game last night. You know what I also thought too, Ken? The Seahawks really suck. The Seahawks <laughs> are terrible. Uh, they, just, they just don't look like they're well coached. They can't do anything, right? How is it that, how is it that you, you blow the chance to, to actually win the game because a man didn't know where to stand up? On special teams, like, what? <laughs> Come on, man! You know, you know, from the beginning of the season, I was saying I expected them to be bad, but no, nah, I didn't expect them to be this terrible. I didn't expect them to to to, to stink up the, the joint. I realized, Ken, I did not call the Seahawks names. I mean, we called the Eagles, we called Carolina Panthers, the Saints, <laughs> and we did not call the Seattle mm -hmm. Seahawks. It is correct. Sad day, so sad day. But I mean, the Seahawks right now they are three and eight. There is no way that they're making the playoffs. Oh, of course not. They'll have to win every game from here on out, and that is not going to happen. By about 40 points, too. There you go. So just to, to put a bow on this one, I'll just give you guys the strength of schedule um, ranking for the remainder of the season in both the AFC and the NFC. So from most difficult to the easiest, in the AFC, we go Chiefs, Browns, Chargers, Steelers, Raiders, Ravens, Bengals, Colts, Dolphins, Jets, Broncos, Texans, Jaguars, Patriots, third from bottom, Bills, second from bottom, and Titans with the easiest. For the NFC, Cowboys have the most difficult, followed by the Washington football team, the Saints, the Bears, the Vikings, the Giants, the Panthers, the Lions, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Cardinals, fourth easiest, 49ers, third easiest, the Eagles, second easiest, and the Falcons, but I do not think that the easiest schedule in the NFC makes any difference for the Falcons. So... <laughs> that now moves us now nicely along to uh, we're going to look now past the playoffs into the off season. So <clears throat> right now, excuse me, the teams that are currently sitting at draft positions one, two, and three are Detroit, Houston, and Jacksonville. So, Giants, what do you see as most likely happening? in those three locations, and if there is any one other location that you'd like to highlight as well. Justin, you go first. Detroit shocked me by not going after quarterback in this last draft. And people will say, but, you know, they got Jared Groff in the trade, but there's a reason they got Jared Groff in the trade. <laughs> like, LA was basically telling you, this guy is not good. And I don't know if Dan Campbell figured 
they could win with him or their general manager or they thought, you know, this is a year that we could put on the season and not care. But it is clear that Jared Goff is not good enough. So for me, if you get the top pick, and it is looking likely, the very first thing you have to do is get a quarterback. As much as they are winless, I actually like Dan Campbell. The Lions are in a lot of close games. Like, they should have beaten the Steelers. They played the Ravens hard. They played the 49ers hard. They played us hard when we played at them. They, oh, sorry, no, I think they traveled to us in Green Bay. And they typically every year play us hard. I like what I see for Don Campbell. The players are leaving it on the field for him. So that clearly he has respect for the players, especially as a former player. I like Don Campbell, so I would not be looking to move on. I think you have to start, like, I've always said, it doesn't matter how good you think you have pieces. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a good team. So you got to address that quarterback situation, whether it's in free agency. And I don't know what the hell is laying about there that is already not cemented in any other franchise. So you got to look at a quarterback in the draft. Houston, he just blew it up. Furthermore, the, the fans need to force, I don't know how it can ever happen, that team needs to be sold. Like, like it needs to be sold. That has and that's an organization that needs to be torn up from the bottom right up or from the top right down. Like that needs a complete overhaul. It is I won't get into the disgustingness of that franchise, other than to say from ownership to general manager to, to, to coaching. I mean, and this coach is just a stop gap measure. Because no one is hiring a 65-year-old, 66-year-old thinking that this is the guy for the future. No, it's just a stop gap measure. But that entire franchise needs tearing right up from the top, right down to the bottom. I don't know whatever happens to uh, Deshaun Watson. I don't know where that's going to go. Obviously, they have to wait for the legal scenario, and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere quickly. But they need to move on from that situation, even if just to release him to... I don't know how to get away from that contract, but they need to get up from that contract and just tear it right now. Jacksonville, it is as obvious that Urban Meyer needs to go. He should never have been your head coach to start with. And if you've ever watched a single minute of this, Justin, you would know that I said that from the moment that he was hired. I do not understand why he was hired. Not just that I don't believe in college coaches who've never played a single down in the NFL or having NFL, no NFL experience coming in as NFL head coaches. This man is a walking bad headline for a lack of, he is a walking controversy from his time at Florida where over 30 of his players were arrested or on charges. He knowingly, and I don't care what anybody told me, he knowingly recruited a known gangbanger in Aaron Hernandez. And how he knows because when he was coming up to draft, everyone but AJ's head coach stood away from him because they knew. It wasn't for a lack of talent. They knew Aaron Hernandez's background. And yet still that did not matter to Urban Meyer. It did not matter to Urban Meyer when he also knew that his assistant coach was beating up on his wife. And then he turned around and lied about it and said he did not know, although the said assistant coach, there is record showing that she was messaging Urban Meyer's wife. 
He then gets out of every situation by saying he's sick and he can no longer coach. So he's going here and there. And then magically he finds another coaching job. And then somehow we are shocked when controversy follows him to the NFL. The first thing that follows, what does he do? Hires a man that has never played the, the, the tight end position. You give him a shot. And shockingly, he does not make it through, through training camp. Stutter. Then behind that, sorry, even before that, you hire a man as your strength and conditioning coach who had um, allegations of racism coming out of college. You give that man a job. He didn't even make it through training camp. Then the next thing, you are coming fresh off of a loss. Before you go back and join your team on the team plane, you stay in your hometown, go in a bar and have a woman less than half of your age dropping on your lap. And then all of a sudden, you did not know that this would cause controversy. Yes, Ken, you did not know that they had an Urban Meyer Marat coming, but I despise <laughs> this man. I do not know. And it goes back to also the racism foundation that this country is built on, how this white man gets job after job after job after job. And everywhere he leaves, he leaves it in the worst place that he found it. The first thing Jacksonville needs to do, and granted, Urban Meyer is probably going to take the Oklahoma job or the, the, the Notre Dame job. That probably needs, well, probably to take Notre Dame job. So Can doesn't have to worry to frame. The first thing is Can needs a respected NFL head coach in the building. It is, it is Sorry. amazing. It is amazing, Justin, that you clearly, you and AJ have the same hymn book and the same textbook because everything you said, AJ has said continuously all season long with regards to Urban Meyer, almost word for word. Yep. The reason it's word for word is it's because it's facts. Yep. We're not, there's not propaganda. This is not slander. This is not me casting aspiration on, these, on this man's character. Everything I said there is factual. These things have happened in every single stop that this man has gone. He has left the situation worse than before. Yep. 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 Oh, Just a ratty old man with no morals who has no right being a head coach. Uh, Justin, I, I don't even feel like following that up. I always think that a good Urban Meyer rant is, is the best way to end whatever segment. So I, it's hard for me to bring this back to football right now, but I just want you to know that we are in lockstep there. I, 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 do not re, I, I don't respect Urban Meyer as in, in his position. I don't know the guy personally, but I have no respect for him in the position that he's held as, foot, as a head coach of, of any, whatever football team he's been at. Don't respect it at all. Um, let me try to read it back into football, though. Um, <laughs> so I, know I was just sitting here like, hey, pre just preach it, Justin, preach. <laughs> that's kind of why, that's why Ken was laughing all the way through it, too, you know. All the way through. My, my, Justin, my very first uh, um, final thought, or it was a second or something like that, when we, when we started the show, it was a rant on Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer right? And it, it, it was everything you said. It was everything. Before Anyhow, you go, sorry, uh -huh. AJ. Mm -hmm. I am in a couple Instagram chats with younger podcasters. Huh? And, you know, I don't blame them because they're young and, you know, would have seen Urban Meyer's success at Ohio State and mm -hmm. Florida. Well, not Florida, but Ohio State. And when he was hired, 
everyone was up in arms and so happy and blah, blah, blah. And they told them, y'all are clearly not old enough to know about the drama that follows, follows this man. And they're like, no, 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 this is a good hire. And I'm like, so you believe that Urban Meyer is going to be a better head coach than someone like Eric B. Enemy? And they're going on, you know, what an offensive, brilliant mind this guy is and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And they rattled off everything there for them. Everything that they've refused to see because, again, when it comes to certain colors or shades of, of, of complexion in this country, we look past or what we like to look past. And so said so that Urban Meyer has brought drama into the NFL. Sorry, AJ. It, it's just my biggest pet peeve. Him. Him. Yeah, like, no. Like, I, I, again, same page. Same page. Um, yeah, because I feel like there was something else. Oh, oh, there was a colleague in one of our, in a chat that Ken and I are also in. And he was on, you know, singing Urban Meyer's praises when he was like, oh, this is a really good. And I was like, no, it's not. Just look and see how this explodes. If something is going to happen, Urban Meyer is going to do something wrong. Um, Urban Meyer get too much attention here. I done with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just a, a couple quick notes. So, um, uh, Justin mentioned the teams that you, the, those three, top three in the draft uh, for the, those lottery picks. Ken, so I, will, I just wanted to add a couple names to the list. First of all, the Seattle Seahawks that I just mentioned, they need... Something needs to be done, and I think it should be done at coaching level. Russell Wilson is not the, the main issue at this point, and it makes no sense to like, get rid of Russell Wilson uh, to completely start over. Um, I think Pete Carroll is beyond, is beyond it. He is he's well. I, I, I don't think that Pete Carroll at this point has the answers for this team. Uh, and and <coughs> Sorry. The Seahawks just don't look well coached, generally. They don't. Um, in, in, in no aspect of the game do they look well coached. It, it, it just seems like the, the team is just a cesspool of, of, of errors, week in and week out, bad decisions. Obviously, that's not only coaching, but do people not know their roles on the team? Do they know, not know what they're supposed to do? That, that always comes back to coaching. So I think at this point, owners need to have a discussion with um, Pete Carroll, probably ask him to amicably vacate the premises. Um, but I think Pete Carroll at this point is an issue. Another team I want to mention, and go back to my division again and talk about one of my rivals, the Jets, who at the beginning of the season, I, I, I had question marks over how they handled their quarterback situation. And this is not in drafting Zach Wilson, but not having like a credible backup behind him. They let go Joe Flacco. Their backup was, it was Mike White. No, they just handed. So essentially, what they did was hand the keys to Zach Wilson and was, and was uh, hand the keys to the, the franchise, franchise and was just like, take us wherever you want us to go. Zach Wilson gets hurt, and then you bring in Mike White. He looks spectacular for a game, of course, because no one has any tape on him. Week two, wet the bed, and then you have to you find yourself having to go back to to trade for a, a, a player that you just let go. They, they don't seem to have... And, and you know what made it even worse? It is the fact that your head coach is now in the media. After Mike White had one spectacular performance, basically, he was on, on, uh, on a, a show um, or, or was it doing a press or whatever it was. Either way, he basically said that, that the future of the Jets quarterback position is day-to-day. -day. Now, I don't know how in, in a syntax, in a, in a syntax manner that that sentence makes any any sense 
But this, this man clearly, even if you believe in your head, I mean, we understand what he means, right? But even if you believe that in your head, after what you've put in and invested in Zach Wilson, there's no way you should be saying this to the media. This organization is lost. And something again, something needs to happen, whether it be, uh, and, and, oh, and Zach Wilson's hurt again. So they need to fortify that quarterback room. And, and honestly, I, I, I don't want to give um, Robert Salad the, what was this? What was the guy that, that's now at BC that it was at Arizona for a year? And I cannot remember his name now. And Ken, you were a bit annoyed. Oh, the black head coach. Before, that yeah, before they brought in Kingsbury. Yeah. Either way. I can't remember his name either. Yeah, he's not coming to me now. Either way. Um, I don't want to give him that treatment, but I, I really think they need to reevaluate Robert Saleh at the end of the year. Honestly. Okay. So it's been, I mean, at this point, you guys have, have really covered a lot of people, a lot of teams, and just in what you said about Urban Meyer, especially, is extremely well said. So I don't have anything to add where those teams are concerned. I don't have anything to add where the teams you mentioned as well, AJ, are concerned. The only team that I'll mention of now at this point is my Saints. Because my Saints, we also have a lot of work to do. And the Saints are forever more up against the cap. And somehow, we always find a way to um, get under the cap. No, AJ, just and as a side, um, Steve Wilkes, that's the name that you Steve were Wilkes, to there we go. Yes, thank you. Yeah, of course. So He was, now, so, sorry, he was so short-lived, no one can remember his name. Right? And he's back to being a DC Nora or something like that, right? I, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Saints they have to improve at wide receiver. That is that is a given. It has been shown this season that if you don't have any help on the outside, then nothing really happens for you in the passing game. The chances are that they may give Jameis a short-term deal just to bring him back on the roster because right now going forward, the only two quarterbacks on the roster are in book who is a rookie that we've not seen in the regular season. And Taysom Hill, who has this funky quarterback um, contract, which will pay him X amount if he plays every other position other than quarterback, and then Y amount if he plays quarterback. So we know that Taysom Hill is not the answer, but we're paying him as if he's the answer to some question. So we have to do something at quarterback at the quarterback position it was interesting to see and hear that the Saints were actually somewhat involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes Deshaun Watson coming in fixes a lot of the problems provided that he is not suspended but right now there's still a lot of question marks where he is concerned Aaron Rodgers is another name that was being bandied about it would be great if he were to come in but Again, we'll have to see. I don't know that he's leaving Green Bay to come to New Orleans well, with what we have right now. Come, you may have to come to New Orleans, but yeah, I don't know either. I do know he's leaving though, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that as well, but the thing is, we know that Denver will making overtures towards him, and Denver definitely has a much more comprehensive package offensively than what the Saints have. So from that perspective, then I don't know if he decides that he's going to come our way instead of you know, coming my way into this city. But one time they'll tell. 
All right. So we can put the crystal ball back on the shelf for the time being. Um, you Before you go, Ken, mm-hmm. I just want to say one thing, right? And sorry to extend this episode for so long, but there's something to be said about what the Arizona Cardinals have done in terms of an organization. And I want to tip my hat to them in an explain way, right? One of the problems, especially in pro sports, is that organizations don't like to admit when they've made a mistake. Now, making a mistake is not a problem, you know. I always say this, especially in my own personal life. The issue comes is when you don't acknowledge the mistake as a mistake, and that's making two mistakes. As much as I don't like to see black coaches discarded, Arizona, in their heart of hearts, figured Steve Wilkes was a mistake. So why give him another year? Let's move on quickly. And they also knew Josh Rosen was a mistake. And they similarly moved on very quickly. They made no mistake. They, they did not hesitate. And people would have, you know, questioned their moves and say, oh, but you want to give each person one year. And Arizona's like, all right, but we don't care what you on the outside think. We have made a mistake and we are not going to pretend that this is not a mistake. So they moved on from Steve Wilkes. They moved on from Josh Rosen quickly and look at the position they are in because they did the one thing that human beings struggle to do, acknowledge their mistakes as mistakes. I, I, Ken and I have actually had that discussion. It wasn't, wasn't like a heated debate, but I know he was not pleased with the fact that they moved off of Steve Wilkes that easily. But I, like I was saying back then, and I, and, and I agree with everything you said, Justin, they, they, they were starting a new project. <laughs> so they, they, they built it again from scratch, got rid of the head coach, got rid of the quarterback, and, and they got two in who could work in, 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 in better fashion together. And I, I actually see no problem with it. Well, I have been very critical of, of um, Cliff Kingsbury because I believe that he just got hired mainly because he was friends with Sean McVay. But this season has shown that he is credible. He is a quality coach and he's been able to get a lot of good performances out of his team, especially with the injuries that they've had at the quarterback position and other positions. They've continued to win games. I can't be a hater and deny the facts. <laughs> so all credit goes to Cliff. All right. Now, as we look ahead to the week ahead, um, we have four teams that are on a bye. The Carolina Panthers, the Cleveland Browns, the Green Bay Packers, and the Tennessee Titans. They are all um, resting up this week. So as we look ahead, there are lots of very tasty games on the menu coming up this week. So, AJ, I'll give you the first crack to say what are your tastiest matchups for week 13? We've been here for a while. I'm not going to list many games. There's one game. Monday night, Patriots-Bills. That's it. The game that will decide the AFC. Interesting. All right. So, Dustin, what about you? Oh, I forgot about this segment, so I'm looking. Yeah, but basically what he said, like, Patriots-Bills, like, like, these two games are going to decide the AFC East. Like, there's no if ands, or buts about that. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the Patriots' remaining schedule looks like. But, yeah, they can win a number one scene. And I don't think you want Bill Belichick with an additional week to rest and prepare for people. Yeah, it's a game of the week. It's probably, it might be the game of the season. Like, this decides the AFC East winner. And it could very well decide 
who gets that number one seed in the AFC altogether? Outside of the, the two Bills games, we have the the Jags, the Colts, the Dolphins. Those are the other three games, Justin. Oh, well, yeah. So, anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, the Patriots win one of these two games, that's a, that's, that's a wrap. That's the number one seed. Okay. So, there are a couple other games, though, that I will just... Um, Highlight quickly as we get out of here. Um, Thursday night, the Cowboys and the Saints. It is the Cowboys, um, somewhat middling. The recently offense has been a bit jack in the head going up against the Saints defense and a great pass rush, but we are dealing with some injuries and we still don't quite know what's happening at quarterback. So that game does hold some implications and some interest. Chargers at Bengals, that is going to be a great game on Sunday, as well as Ravens at Steelers. Ravens, they need to find a way to fix their offensive woes. The Steelers' defense has not been playing that great, so this could be a get-right game for them. The Broncos, they go to the Chiefs on Sunday night. That should be interesting because the Broncos do have a pretty good defense, especially pass defense, and you know the Chiefs don't especially like to run the ball. So those are some games that we will be paying attention to. And of course, we will be making our prime time picks where I will hope to redeem myself after picking with my heart and not with my head and now finding myself probably tied with AJ going forward. All right. So that is a great spot to land this week's episode. As always, we do want to thank you, Justin, for being with us. And we shall definitely have you back before the end of the season, probably in that week 18 as we look ahead to the playoffs. Before I go, I just want to say the NFL is hell of a wrong for not flexing the Chargers and Bengals into that Sunday night spot. Like you have the the two best quarterbacks from that class in Joe Burrow and and Justin Herbert going against each other. And you decide instead to leave the Broncos against the Chiefs? Like, nah. <laughs> but they do have some flexing coming. Um, some games have been moved around for week 14 and week 15. And we'll touch on those, you know, in the weeks ahead. So, of course, Justin, you can always let the guys know where they can see you, where they can find you. Every Monday night, as these two guys know, you can find us 7 o'clock Eastern at 6 o'clock Central Time or 8 o'clock Barbados Time on YouTube. Type in hashtag this just in. Don't forget the hashtag or you'll be unfortunately taken to that terrible Matt Skelliman ESPN show. But that's hashtag <laughs> this just in. Monday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We do a live show there. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as well as Facebook. That's hashtag this just in on all those socials. And you will find us and we post on those three socials every single day. My wife is tired liking these posts so she can tell you we are those we are on those three socials every single day. All right. AJ, what about you? Is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, I just um one of our can you might be familiar with him. Um like one of my boys from Grenada. Logs, Michael Hercules, aka Logs. He and another uh, a gentleman who I know of, not not very familiar with, but I know there's some good basketball heads, and they just started their own podcast, the Collective Bargaining uh, Podcast. They they do it live on Facebook. It's on Tuesday and Thursday. I think it's eight Eastern. 
I believe it's 8 Eastern. I'm sorry, but I need to, to be a better plug. I was trying to look for the information, but yeah. And it's, it's, it's actually thanks to logs, logs as well that I have this brand new mic setup that you guys can't see, but you know, so yeah. I'm giving him a little plug here because it's, it's some good stuff. I've checked it out and yeah, the guys know what they're saying. Just strictly NBA podcast, just some guys chopping it up who are very big basketball fans. All right. And well, I don't really have anything else to plug. At this point, um, I do have a, we have my church, we have a Christmas program on Saturday that I wrote the play, I'm acting in the play, I'm playing piano during this performance. Um, and that will also be on Facebook. But yeah, I do have a very busy week ahead of me with rehearsals tonight and tomorrow night for this production on Saturday. But I will, of course, put more on my socials as that time draws near. Well done, sir. Well done. <sighs> Thanks. So at this point, we'll end it here. That is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. With us again today was Justin from hashtag this just in. And we will see you next time.